the Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer, near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, former Metro Councillor and mayoral candidate Rob Davis is here. Amanda Galbraith, principal at Navigator Strategies and Communications, host of Free for All Fridays on the iHeartRadio Talk Network, and Toronto City Councillor Shelley Carroll. And actually, Shelley, let me start because I have to imagine you were in the room where it happened. You bet. Um, swearing in ceremony set a very different tone, I think, yesterday. It was, uh, it's certainly not uh, Rob Ford's Toronto anymore. <laughs> no, no. I remember Rob Ford's uh, swearing in ceremony when it was done. My dad insisted on walking out because the, he felt the counselors were disrespected. But uh, uh, yesterday, we have a lot of very tough work to do, but yesterday was uh, the first time in a long time that it felt like the swearing-in ceremony party afterwards was an actual party because people really feel like she is going to get to work and it's been really interesting to watch who she briefs with, who she who she's uh, uh, talked to about projects that are ongoing, how can she make them better, how can she make them move faster and so it's made people very excited about the future. Rob Davis, uh, what was going through your mind watching somebody take the oath of office you would have liked to have been taking? Well, I, I was, uh, wasn't lost on me, the historic moment of having a, the first person of color sworn in as mayor. And, and this is the 100th anniversary of the, uh, of the enactment of the head tax, Chinese head tax. So, you know, th- this, was, this was momentous for lots of other reasons, uh, other than, uh, you know, the, the, ch- the financial challenges and the housing challenges. Um, there's an emotional element to somebody like Olivia Chow being sworn in, and, and that can't be lost on a big portion of the uh, of the city people who look like olivia have to be awfully proud that somebody who looks like them has been sworn in as uh, canada's biggest mayor Canada's, uh, yeah. the mayor of canada's biggest city sorry yeah she's not as small as people make her out to be but she's not definitely not the biggest mayor and amanda galbraith one of the thoughts i had yesterday was you know, this is the one day where Olivia Chow can sit in a chair and be celebrated like she's on This Is Your Life. And this morning the sun came up and she's got a lot of stuff she needs to start sweating. Yeah, she and certainly and like I think she deserves that day, as do all candidates that put their names forward uh, for that job. Um, sort uh, so, yeah, I think that was a big day for her. And that's exciting. Um, what I would say is this morning she woke up. She's still got refugees um, like busting at the seams in the city, sleeping outside on, um, like on sidewalks, a federal government who remains intractant, like not willing to pony up the money to, to do their part in it. Um, she still has a billion dollar budget hole uh, next year. So it's like, it's a really tough brief for her. Like, I, I think anybody would have a difficult time. I think her stance so far and her language has been good. Um, I think she'll probably get money out of the feds for, for refugees, but I think they're going to have to probably talk tough for a little while. Okay, well, let's continue that conversation. And Rob Davis, I'll turn to you. Um, it's interesting because it's very much in our neighborhood that the refugee crisis has become that much more evident in Toronto homeless shelters because there's the Peter shelter. And day after day, there are more people and encampments and there's luggage. And it's clear that an enormous portion of people in the system right now that we are paying for as municipal ratepayers are actually supposed to be the federal responsibility. Absolutely. And, and you know, this was all predictable. I mean, uh, we know five, six, seven months ago, uh, there was an influx of refugees uh, in Niagara Falls. And we knew yeah. that the moment that the uh, 
you know, the high season, high tourist season came, that those people were going to be leaving Niagara Falls and coming to Toronto. So it's really uh, disappointing to me that the federal government and, and quite frankly, the city government didn't get their act together before all of this uh, happened. It was predictable. And, and I think one of the most disappointing things for, for taxpayers in Toronto is that when they can, uh, you know, it's like a, a, a slow car chase or, a, you know, a, 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 slow, a slow moving train that we know is going to derail and they have everything in their power to stop that from happening and they don't. So, yes, she has to exercise and, and pull the levers of being uh, Toronto's newest mayor and, and the federal government has to pony up, but it's still going to be a problem. I mean, if, if we if we get these folks off of Peter Street, um, there will be an influx from an, from another wave, from another city, and from another border crossing, and it's something that the federal government has to really reconcile with, and and it'll impact them uh, in the uh, run up to the next federal election. So you can see how this you know, municipal issue will dovetail into a federal election issue and possibly cost the Liberal seats in the next federal election. And Amanda, to come back to you, it's not a simple file. I mean, some people are saying, well, just lock up the borders. That's, uh, uh, you know, everything's going <laughs> to sure. be fine. No, I mean, refugees are refugees. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when it's the largest undefended land border, like, like no, there's no possibility of doing that <laughs> there. Um, and these folks have rights to be refugees in this country, right? Like, you know, uh, CTV News had... Uh, it was a, he was a, he's he's gay and he was fleeing he would have died in Uganda if he stayed there so he would have been killed under the law so they have every right to be here um, we have a policy welcoming refugees um, welcoming them by making them sleep some sidewalks to me is abhorrent um, and we need to do better as a country. Uh, so, yes, they they will be. And this has happened before, right? It happened again in 2018. Federal government had to step up. They did. Um, so I think we just need to put the pressure, keep talking about this story. I mean, the one thing I will say that people should people be somewhat encouraged about is that, you know, these are not folks like there's a lot of folks on our streets who have mental health challenges. And certainly some of that is there, but they're refugees like they're they're perfectly capable of getting jobs. They just need housing. Um, they're much easier to house than your typical um, person that, that we have in shelter systems. So if we have the funds, we can actually move them through the system quickly. Just wanted to, to say that earlier this morning, John, you were talking about the, the situation outside of Peter Street. Yeah. And you said, I think this perhaps might be one of Toronto's newest shelters. In fact, it's not. Uh, when that first opened, we had less than 6,000 shelter beds in the city. We now have 9,000. We're carrying 9,000 we 10, shelter homeless. beds. And yeah. there are another 1,200 out on the street. Yeah. And and a third of those are refugees, as the mayor's made very clear this week. But she's, she's not starting a new topic. Uh, former Mayor Tory has been talking about this for the last two years. As soon as we got beyond, what we expect can sometimes happen is that you will have 500 of uh, newcomers to the, the city and up in the shelter system. We're now at 3,200 in the system. But this is not a temporary problem. The reason we're asking the government to help us set up refugee infrastructure is we know you just have to listen to the various rooms at the UN. This is not going away. There are economic refugees, environmental refugees, and political refugees, and they are all coming from southern hemisphere countries and from, from conflict countries and making 
making their way to G7 countries. It's not just us, it's everywhere. And so we have to create the infrastructure that we can deal with it when they get here, because many are immediately employable. But if you drop them into the shelter system or out onto the street and they begin to live that dehumanizing life, they're no longer employable. And we need them for the jobs that are empty right now. And not to be lost, John, sorry yeah, to interrupt you ahead. on this, but not to be lost on people who look like me, and people know I'm, I'm from the black community, look at the difference in the treatment between refugees from the Ukraine and refugees from Africa. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see Ukrainian blonde-haired, blue-eyed refugees on the streets of Toronto not being taken in. I mean, th- th- that in and of itself... Uh, at this time, when we have a mayor uh, like Olivia Chow uh, uh, in Toronto, should be sort of a, a little bit of a of a, a red flag for people to understand how our system works and how unfair the system is in the treatment of people, depending on where you come from. Speaking of Olivia Chow, we've just learned in the last seconds that she will be joining us at 8.05. So after the 8 o'clock news, on her first day in office, Olivia Chow will stop in on News Talk 1010. Uh, Let me ask you about this story, because this is very much one of those sort of lifestyle debatables. Uh, We talked with a criminologist early this morning from the UK who's been researching the phenomenon that when you introduce self-checkout at a retail outlet, more and more people steal. It's not all stealing, actually. Sometimes it's a scanning error, but there is stop loss. And one of the things I asked the professor about was, okay, but are they still saving because they didn't have to hire a human to man the uh, cashier? The labor saving is really quite profound for these retailers. I mean, that's why, you know, they've invested in these systems, let's be frank about it. And, you know, you think about a large grocery store where they may have had perhaps 25 checkouts working all at the same time. You now got, you know, only two people looking after all that process. So there's an enormous labor saving. And so they're always looking at that balance between what have we saved in terms of reducing our labor costs and what increases are we now seeing due to to loss from them? And at the moment, it's still working in their favor, I suspect. But it's but it's it's, it's been eroded over time as, as people are, are beginning to you know steal more and lose more in these spaces. OK, Shelley Carroll, I would never steal. It's just not in my DNA. But every single time that automated cash says thank you for using self-checkout, I out loud say F you. <laughs> yes. And, and that's where a lot of it comes in, people sort of give themselves a free pass to to uh, uh, misscan a couple of items because they're annoyed that someone isn't helping them with this. We love service, and and uh, we, when you when you go to the stores where they have got down to there are only two people left, and and you're literally forced to self checkout because there's just uh, there really isn't another option anymore. That's a that's I think when people get extra annoyed. I will say this so the article uh, Joe, our producer, gave. Us, um, I found it a little bit precious that a <laughs> affluent-looking, tall, handsome white man is outraged that he's having to have his cash register tape checked at the as he walks out the door by a security guard. Welcome to the daily experience of a lot of Torontonians. He can't believe that he's being suspected of something. A lot of people get suspected every time they walk inside a store. So if they want to check my tape to to try and get control of this problem, I have no problem with that. Yeah. Uh, Amanda, I loathe self-checkout, and and especially when I'm like, okay, how do I find rutabaga? What's what's about? Where is this? Yeah, I think I'm like the only I'm the only idiot around that uh, that like actually loses money at self-checkout because like I'll scan something. <laughs> 
and the sale doesn't come up and I'm like, I don't want to call the person over and have them do the thing. So like literally I paid like twice for strawberries the other day. Cause I was just like, I just, I cannot be bothered <laughs> to deal with this. So I just, um, yeah, I, I actually, I don't, listen, I, I don't mind it if I have one item, but I certainly, yeah, I recognize the labor impacts. Um, I may adopt the Deb Hutton strategy, which is she just keeps walking when people try and stop her and she seems to just get right to her car. So maybe I'll just roll with that. Okay. Rob Davis, your thoughts. Well, uh, if you think that there's a huge loss for grocery stores, imagine what's happening at the TTC when you can step on the back of a streetcar and not have your uh, not have your payment checked. I mean, th this whole idea of having an honor system uh, is a challenge financially for organizations like the TTC or Loblaws or any of the large retailers. Um, in fact, I, I read an article a couple of years ago that said, that they saw this huge spike in the sale of bananas because bananas were one of the cheapest items that you could weigh in uh, at self-checkout. And so people will take something expensive, log it in as bananas, and pay a fraction of the cost by weight for whatever other product that they're buying. Um, and th that's another part of the phenomenon is that uh, people just choose to scan in an item randomly that uh, has a lower price by weight. And so banana sales are going to be uh, artificially recognized or spike over the next couple of years. But loss prevention is a big thing. It affects retailers. It affects all consumers. Um, and just as much as it's affecting uh, the TTC, we have a lot of lost revenue because we, we essentially have an honor system on uh, our major streetcar lines. All right, and Bell Media does not endorse or support the notion of using bananas in order to rip off Galen Weston. <laughs> uh, thank you all, my panelists, Rob Davis, Amanda Galbraith, Shelley Carroll. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.